The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Well, last weekend we began this brand new year together with a brand new sermon series talking about a new year and so a new you. And we said that just because of the nature of the world that we live in, just simply because of our culture, um, that the question that every single one of us kind of intuitively and instinctively asks in the month of January is, how do I make me a better version of me, right? How do I get slimmer? How do I get stronger? How do I get smarter? How do I stay out of debt? How do I get out of debt? And we said there's nothing wrong with any of those questions, In fact, we said that every single one of us, we need to stop from time to time and we need to ask those questions and reevaluate kind of what's going on in our lives, and that's a good thing to do. But we also said that for all of us who are followers of Jesus, there is in fact a better question, a bigger question, a broader question that we need to stop and ask, and that question is this question right here. What is it that breaks your heart? Right? When you look around our world, you look around your community, You look into your neighborhood, you look into your school district, you look and you see what's happening with kids, what is that's happening with families, what's going on in in the world around you, what is it that captures your emotion, right? What is it that breaks your heart? We said the truth is, every single one of us, we've all benefited from the fact that somebody before us, somewhere along the way, stopped and they got outside of the realm of simply what is in this for me, and they asked the question of what it is that needs to be done around me. Because what all of us just kind of intuitively or instinctively knows is that if we really want to become a better person, if I want to become a better person this year, then what I need to do is to make the world or make somebody's world a better place. The question with all this is, and the challenge with all this is, is where do you start, right? How do I know what it is that I am supposed to do? In fact, many of you, a number of you, emailed me this past week asking essentially this question, which is in fact a great question because this is a focus question. Because when you look all around our world, right, there are all kinds of needs. When you look around our community even, there are all kinds of needs. You look even into your own neighborhood, your own school district, and there are all kinds of needs. And you can't meet every person's needs. You can't meet all of the world's needs. But you can change the world for someone. You can change someone's world. And so as you wrestle with this question, as you think about this question, um, what is that one thing, right? What is that one thing that you hear about 10 different things, but there's that one thing that kind of rises up inside of you, and for you, it's emotional. And it may not be emotional for the person next to you, but it is for you. In fact, maybe you find yourself getting amped up a little bit anytime the subject comes up. Maybe you find yourself going online and Googling about this, trying to understand more about it or learn more about it or figure out, is there anybody who's doing anything about this in our community? Now, for Autumn and I, this is one of the things that we actually talk a lot about in our family and in our house, and there's a number of things that have come up, and this has been a conversation that we've had in our home for a number of years, and there's a whole bunch of things that come up, but there's a few things that always come up whenever we have this conversation, and I don't want to go into all the context for this, but whenever this subject comes up, what always comes up for us is the whole idea of loving families with chronic illness. Now, you know, any of you who, who know us, probably that doesn't surprise you, and that may not be for you, but that is for us. And so um, that's one of the things that kind of is on the surface and bubbles up to the surface of our hearts. And see, I know what the struggle is. If you hear all this, and if you were here last week, or if you're here this week, and, and you kind of, you know, push away from this whole, okay, what breaks your heart thing, if this is just 
um, if it's a little too much or it's overwhelming or you just, for whatever reason, you can't, uh, can't put your finger on it, why you don't want to engage with this whole question, um, th- that is a tendency that is inside all of us. And the truth is, every single one of us, we begin to shrink back at least a little bit when we are confronted with all the needs in the world. Because the problem with the question of what is it that breaks my heart is that answering this question is, in fact, going to require something of you. It's going to require some time. It's going to require some of your money. It's going to require some energy. It's actually going to require for you to take some things away from those things that you already care about. It's going to take some time away from your family. It's going to take some time away from the other areas of your life. It's going to end up costing you something. In fact, it's going to end up costing you some life. And the problem with anything that costs us life is that you and I, by definition, we are life savers, right? I am a life saver. I don't want to risk my life. I don't want to give away my life. I do everything I possibly can to try to save my life and preserve my life, right? This is why I have life insurance and seat belts and an airbag and all-wheel drive and a security system. I am, by definition, a life saver. You are, by definition, a life saver, And see, the problem with the whole question of what is it that breaks my heart is that at some point, right, at some point, it forces me to let go of some of my life or some of the things that I define as my life. My time, my energy, my interests, my own self-advancement, my own opportunities, right? That is the tension that is kind of at the root of this question, isn't it? And see, the truth is, for some of us, we're, each one of us is maybe more wired up or geared up you know, differently in this. And in your family, probably more like, and just like in my family, maybe one of you is more geared up or bent this way than the other, and that's fine, that's normal. But if you decide to lean in the direction of this, if you decide to try to uncover this and what this means for you and for your family personally, whether it's families or children or something going on socioeconomically in our world, whatever it is, when you discover what that is, if you decide to get involved with that, is it going to cost you and you're going to feel like you are giving up or you are giving away some of your life? And see, this is a real tension. And I would argue that this is a tension that every single one of us should wrestle with. And as we wrestle with this tension, Jesus comes along and Jesus speaks into this tension. And as is so often the case, when Jesus speaks, he doesn't try to relieve the tension that we feel. Instead, in many ways, he actually adds to that tension. Take out your Bibles, turn them to Luke chapter 14, which is on page 1623 if you're using one of those Bibles in the seat back in front of you today. We're going to begin reading together at verse 25. Luke tells us this. He says that large crowds, right? So hundreds and hundreds of people, large crowds are traveling with Jesus, right? So in other words, these people don't just show up and listen to Jesus speak, and then when he's done speaking, you know, go home. They're they're traveling with him. Jesus goes to eat, and they're there. Jesus goes to get some coffee, and they're there. Jesus goes to go home and go to bed, and there they are waiting for him. Wherever Jesus goes, they are surrounding him. And so turning to the large crowds, Jesus looks at them and he says to them, if you can believe this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and his sisters. And right there we need to pause for just a minute because this is so important. 
Because see, what Jesus is talking about in this verse and in this context, this is not the emotion of hate. And the reason why we know this is because the Apostle John, as well as many of the other New Testament authors all throughout the New Testament, in fact, tell us that if we do, in fact, have the emotion of hate towards another person, then we are not, I am not, you are not then a follower of Jesus. What Jesus is talking about here in this text is the willingness to allow Jesus to be the ultimate or the superior decision maker in one's life instead of one's family. So this is a bit of hyperbole on Jesus' part. In fact, other English translations of this particular verse do a little bit better job of expressing this because they translate this verse this way. We'll put this up on the screen. Unless you love me more than. Now this hyperbole becomes even more clear as Jesus continues. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. Right? Jesus is talking about who's going to be in control. He's talking about who is going to be in charge, who is going to, to ultimately call the shots. Jesus says, such a person, right, a person who does not decide once and for all who is going to be in charge, Jesus says, such a person, they cannot be my disciple. Right? And of course they couldn't. Because to be a disciple means to, to declare somebody else to be your leader. To become someone's disciple is to say, okay, I am now a follower and I am going to follow you. See, this was Jesus' big, bold way of saying to this crowd, listen, I know that you're following me around. right? I know that you're all traveling with me. right? But you cannot actually be my follower. You cannot be my disciple until you decide once and for all. Who is, in fact, going to be Lord? Who is going to call the shots? And who is going to be the supreme authority in your life? To hate one's life, Jesus would say, isn't to feel bad about yourself. To hate one's life is to decide once and for all that, that you aren't going to be the one who calls the shots. That, that Jesus is, in fact, going to be the one that you decide and that you choose to actually submit your life to and your decisions to. And see, it's in this moment that, that Jesus makes it unmistakably clear, the tension that he points us to is this undeniable and unmistakable truth that the essence of following Jesus is in fact more about self-denial than it is self-improvement. And see, this is hard for me. Right? And this is, is probably hard for, for you as well. And Jesus would say this: listen, I am not against, you know, I am not against self-improvement. I'm not against self-improvement any more than I'm against you know, your father or your mother, your wife or your husband, your brothers or your sisters or your kids. I'm not against any of those people. I'm not against any of those relationships. I'm not against you being the best possible version of you that you can possibly be. But you've got to decide once and for all, Jesus would say, who is going to call the shots. Because you cannot follow me and decide that someone other than me is going to call the shots in your life, even when that other person is, in fact, you. And so at the end of the day, Jesus says to his first century audience, and he says to each one of us today, listen, I'm all for self-improvement, but following me, following me, you are about to discover 
following me is really more about self-denial than it is self-improvement. And if that wasn't enough, right, then Jesus continues and he makes this crowd-thinning statement right here in verse 27. He says, and anyone who does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Right, and so at that point, the, the what's in it for me group, they, they left and went and did something else. And see, here's the thing. This is the truth, right? For all of us, when we hear things like this, we read things like this in the New Testament, there is something inside of us that wants to, to push away from this and resist this and just not, um, not engage with this. But, but understand, this is not Jesus trying to withhold something good from you, right? This is Jesus actually saying to you, I have a better offer for you. I am making you a better offer, and you will never be able to say yes to my better offer until you learn to say no to all the other offers. On a different occasion, Jesus expressed the same idea this way. Mark tells us that when Jesus called the crowd to himself along with his disciples, he said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, right? Again, this is more about self-denial, Jesus would say, than self-improvement. They, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That is, they must adopt my agenda, Jesus is saying. For whoever, he continues, he goes right to the very heart of the matter, the, the crux of the issue for us. For whoever wants to save their life, Jesus says, which is by definition what we all want to do, right? I am a lifesaver. You are a lifesaver. Of course we want to save our lives. We are by nature lifesavers. I spend a lot of money. I spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of energy trying to keep me healthy and keep me alive. And see, Jesus isn't against any of that. But he says, whoever wants to save their life, and here's what Jesus means by that. Anyone who lives their life Right? With the, the idea or the priority being that, that every single day really is about me. Right? My family is a means to an end. My kids are a means to an end. My wife, my husband are a means to an end. Even my boss is a means to an end. And, and really, I would do pretty much anything because I am the end. After all, I am the end. And so really, I would do pretty much anything. You know, nothing, maybe nothing illegal because then I'm just going to end up in jail and that's going to undermine my own success anyway. But pretty much other than that, I would do basically anything to preserve me. See, Jesus says, listen, if that is your approach to life, then whoever wants to save their life, Jesus would say, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. The very thing that you spend your life trying to gain, you will end up losing. But, he says, whoever loses their life for me, which is in fact an invitation, because loses for their life for me is not dies as a martyr. Okay, that is not what Jesus is talking about in this verse. He is talking about something way bigger than just simply physical life. Right, this is the person who says to Jesus, okay, Jesus, the answer is yes. So what is it that you want me to do? 
Jesus, the answer is yes. Jesus, it's going to be your way and not my way. Jesus, the answer is yes, because Jesus, you are the supreme authority in my life. Over my parents, over my family, over my kids, over my boss, yes, Jesus, even over me. Jesus says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me. So this is a decision, right? This is not something that just randomly happens to us. And for the gospel, Jesus says, don't miss this. In other words, for my agenda, for what it is that I have come into this world to do. Whoever loses their life for the gospel will save it. And see, this, the truth is, this is hard. This is hard for all of us, but this is what I want every single one of us to hear this morning and to think about this morning. This is not Jesus' call to his followers to simply throw away their lives. That is not what Jesus is after. Right? This was not about proving a point. This was not about making a point. This was not about doing anything irresponsible. This was a decision to say, okay, Jesus, I am willing to allow you to lead me to something outside of me for something that is bigger and better and broader than just me. This was Jesus' call to his followers to give away their lives to something bigger, broader, and far, far more fulfilling. Because, see, here's what Jesus knew, and here is what he knew that every single one of us struggle with. As long as I am only about me, I can never actually be about anything else. As long as I am all about me, I can never say yes to the things that are outside of me. And see, if you will allow yourself to struggle with this whole question of what is it that breaks your heart, then ultimately you will be led away from you. Ultimately you will have to lose you. You will be led away from you. And Jesus says... I am inviting you into that kind of a life because I am offering to rescue you from you because left to yourself and left to myself, we will simply live for ourselves. And see, Jesus says, listen, if you do that, right, if you do that at the end of your life, it will be a total loss because whoever wants to save their life will in fact lose it because then you will have nothing to show for it. In other words, whoever devotes themselves to themselves will have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Right? You do not want to get to the end of your life and everything is shiny and everybody envies you and everybody looks at you and they think you're the guy, they think you're the woman, they think you've got it all nailed down, but the truth is it's really all just about me. You don't want to do that because, see, here's what I know about you, and I get it. I don't know all of you personally, but even so, here's what I do know about you. you there is more to you than simply a body and a balance sheet. Right? There is more to you than just simply self-improvement. Because listen, every single one of you, you have been invited, and this is an invitation to significance, right? This is an invitation, in fact, for you to move in a direction that most people in our world are afraid to move in. This is an invitation so that at the end of your life, there is someone who, who says to you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, because listen, if it was not for you, if it was not for your sacrifice, if it was not for your self-denial, if it was not for you uh, uh, unleashing some of your passion in my direction, then my life would not be where it is today. 
See, significance. This is what Jesus is offering to you, to all of us, to each of you. Because, see, here's what's true about every single one of us. No matter what it is that you succeed at in this life, no matter what it is that you are unsuccessful at in this life, no matter what you own, what you don't own, no matter what it is that you try to own, at the end of your life, basically, or at some point in your life, everybody pretty much ends up asking the same question, which is simply this. Does this matter? Does any of this matter? Does any of this life actually matter? Is there anything in this that is going somewhere? And see, the answer to this question, if it's all about you, is no. No, it does not matter. No, it is not going someplace if it's only just about you. And see, Jesus, your Savior, knew this. And so he says, no matter what you do, what you try to do, what you fail at doing, at some point you are going to be looking in the mirror and asking yourself, does it matter? Does life matter? Does any of this matter? Is there a purpose? Is there significance to any of this? And Jesus says yes, but it's not found in self-improvement. Because you could be the most self-improved person on the planet and you can still be empty. But you cannot give yourself away and be empty, which I realize on the surface probably doesn't sound like it makes any sense. Because, see, we think, okay, if I'm empty, then what I need to do is I need to fill myself up with me. And Jesus says, okay, that right there is the problem. Because me, in fact, is too small of a thing for you to live for. Your life, in fact, is too small of a thing for you to live for. You were created for more than just that. You are not enough for you to live for, Jesus would say. And see, here's, this is the difficult part of this. Significance, right? Significance is always found just on the other side of what's in it for me. Significance is always found just a couple of steps away from your comfort zone. See, Jesus knew this. And you know what Jesus called it? He called it abundant life. That when you give your life away, you find more life. That when you give your life away, you find a different kind of life. That the more that you give your life away, the, the more life you end up being filled up with. Because, see, Jesus says, if you get to the end of your life and it's been all about you, then really, you have nothing to show for your life. And see, that, according to Jesus, that is the tension that every single one of us wrestles with. And that is the part that maybe doesn't make any sense to you just yet, but it means. It means that, according to Jesus, that the best thing that you can do for you is to not be quite so interested in you. That the best thing that you could do for you is to not be so interested in the very things that interest you. And so Jesus says, okay, trust me with this. Trust me with this. You've got to say no to you so you can say yes to something that's bigger, broader, and better than just you. Step outside of your comfort zone because that is where you will find life. Give your life away and you will, in fact, find more life. Which brings us right back to this pesky little question right here of what breaks your heart? What is it personally that breaks your heart? And so all I would ask 
is would you be willing? Right? You don't have to sell anything. You don't have to move anywhere. You don't have to talk to anybody else about this. Would you just be simply willing to think and to pray about this question? What is the need? What is the group? What, what is the challenge? What's the obstacle? What is that issue that just grips your heart more than any other issue? Because, you know, you cannot change the world and you cannot meet every person's need in the world, but you can change the world for someone. So what breaks your heart? Here's another question to help you wrestle with this this week. Right At the end of your life, what do you want people to thank you for? Right at the end of your life, what is it that you actually want people to thank you for? Because listen, I know you're going to love your kids. I know you're going to take care of your husband. I know you're going to take care of your wife. I know you're going to love your grandkids, right? So outside of the context of family, right, is there something or are there some ones that hypothetically speaking, you would like to line up one day, someday, after this life is done and gone and simply say, thank you. Thank you. Right? Who is doing something about that? Now, many of you, the truth is, for, for many of you, your hearts, just like my heart, breaks at the fact that there's an entire generation of kids. There's an entire generation of adults in our world who have grown up separated from God, isolated from God, and they, they want to connect with him. They want to reconnect with him, but they don't know how and they don't know where. They think that church is not for them. They think that Jesus is against them. And see, that's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why this church is here. Because to make the world a better place, to make someone's world a better place, it is going to require some life from you. And you need to learn how to say no to you so that you can, in fact, say yes to something that is bigger and broader than just you. And see, as followers of Jesus, when you do that, when you actually engage in the needs of others, okay, or to use a New Testament phrase, when you carry someone else's burden, then that is when you enter into the activity of God. Because God looked at this world and saw sin, and that is what broke his heart. And he didn't just look away. His broken heart compelled him to act and to send his son into this world and jump into your sin and to jump into my sin with both feet and to carry our burden and to bear our burden on his cross. All. Because our sin broke his heart. And so I hope that this year, I hope that for you, 2020 will be the year where you personally, or maybe you as a family, maybe you as a couple, where you begin to ask and answer this very simple question right here, what breaks your heart? Right? Because when you do, when you do, one day, someday, you will have more than yourself to show for yourself. And that will be a good day. And that will be the day that you're able to look back and to discover and to say, okay, in this new year, there was in fact a new you. There was a you that looked more like your savior and less like just you.
Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I know that even though so many of us in this room, we can hear these words and we can, we can know that they are true. Father, there is inside every single one of us um, parts of our life and parts of us that wants to push these away, that doesn't want to hear this truth. And yet, Father, it is true that when we are most empty, that is when we are most filled. Father, when we actually give ourselves away, that is when we are most filled up with life. And Father, even though there is something inside every single one of us, me included, that wants to hold on to whatever is ours, to hold on to whatever is mine and my life, Father, would you pry our hands open? Would you allow your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to break our hearts with the things that have broken your hearts? Father, we ask that as, as your church, as Jesus' church here in this place, that our hearts would always break for the things that break your heart, for the people who are far from you, for the people who don't know you or who believe lies about you. Father, who do not believe that there is a God who is aware or who, or who cares. Father, that our hearts would always break when people who are made in your image are suffering, when they are hurt. Father, our hearts, we pray that they would always break when people do not know that your son is for them that he lives for them, that he's died for them, that he has risen from the dead for them so that their sin can truly be forgiven, so that our sin can truly be forgiven. Father, I pray for each one of us that we would not be so consumed with ourselves, that we would not be so consumed in the, with the storms of this life that we would forget about what it is that breaks your heart. And Father, I pray very specifically for those of us today who are followers of your son Jesus, I pray that in the storms of our own lives, that it would be in those moments that we sing just a little bit louder, when our praises are sung just a little bit higher, that Father, that we would hold on just a little bit tighter to the hope and to the promise that you have given to us in Jesus, in his name, in his death, and in his resurrection. And that we would always remember that we are here to bring Jesus and to bring his hope into every single relationship that we have. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name.